Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I have Jamie Booth joining me. He is the Managing Director of Booth & Partners. He and his wife, Carmen, uh, both founded the business, uh, and we go into that a little bit, but Carmen actually appeared on an earlier episode, number 334, if you want to hear more about the Booth & Partners backstory and also Carmen's take on the business. So I speak to Jamie today and we explore more about Booth and Partners and what they're going through and their recent move to Seattle and how the great resignation is impacting uh, offshoring and their business. So a really good conversation with uh, Jamie, really enjoyed myself and, and as always learned a lot. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs, and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms, representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish Inside Outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries. Please show your support by sharing this podcast today. Hi, Jamie. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Derek. I'm happy to be here. And we had your wife on the show a little while ago, Jamie. Uh, You are both the co-founders, and I'll get you to explain the various roles, but of both the co-founders and management of Booth and Partners. Uh, Do you just want to explain uh, how you and your wife uh, kind of fit in together and how you ended up founding this company? Sure. So um, we were living in Singapore, and um, we had this crazy idea to um, start a business that provided staffing services. Um, the reason was it was because I was working for a company that uh, required that type of service, and we thought that we could make a business around that. And um, it, uh, it made sense that um, 
that Carmen would actually run the business from the outset. So she really founded the business and was in the trenches um, from day one. And I kept my day job until the business was a going concern, uh, which was uh, almost five years later. So it took a little while, but um, we we um, were able to business it was sustainable for both of us as as co-managers of the business. Um, but Carmen did all the the real hard work of of getting the business uh, started and and running and and to profitability. And uh, and then I came in in uh, in the second phase when we were starting to really ramp up and grow. And and so um, Carmen's our CEO and I'm the managing director. But we we both lead and. And, and are growing the company and have our unique roles. Um, she has, Carmen has her skill sets and I have mine and we're finding a good balance of, of using both of our skills and uh, it's been working really well so far. So you got the easy job then, like Carmen had to set it all up and get everything moving and then you just got in. <laughs> exactly. I don't know. I don't know if I, I could have done what she did. I mean, she's, uh, she's an incredible woman. She's, uh, she's also my wife. Um, but um, yeah, she, she had the much harder job of, of getting the business started um, and making the first hires. I, I was involved behind the scenes, you know, helping with, with certain aspects of the business, um, but not involved in the day-to-day. So um, it was absolutely Carmen uh, putting in all the hard work and, and she reminds, uh, reminds me about that quite often. <laughs> Not wanting to dwell on the point too much, but, but getting a business from that zero to one really is hard, isn't it? You know, to get the, to get the wheels moving, to get the initial traction, the customers, the infrastructure, the setup, the website, it's a massive undertaking, isn't it? And then it just, it doesn't necessarily get any easier, but you've got this momentum kind of pushing you along. Yeah, totally. Um, and we were incredibly naive at, at that time. Um, we we didn't we we had this this idea, and and the people around us that we talked to them about the idea, they said, "Sounds like a good idea. You should do that." And uh, and we did. And and you know, looking back, it's been eight years now. Looking back, eight years, uh, you know. Would would I do it again um, with what I know now? I I mean I don't know if we would have because um, we really didn't know a lot when we started. We we definitely learned um, kind of by you know by just feel and touch and and uh, and found our way through it. Um, but we were luckily we did have an engaged client right off the bat, so that was really helpful. Um, but um, but beyond, you know, expanding beyond the one client, that that took a, a lot of. I think it was it wasn't just you know hard work. It was also some luck in there as well. Made the right you know connections with certain clients and and people that helped us find good clients that helped us kind of take the business to the next level and and also find our way. Um, we uh, we were told early on because we didn't come from the industry that we needed to specialize in a particular area, uh, you know, whether it be accounting or customer service or some specific specialty. And we struggled with that one um, for a while. And uh, we ended up not specializing in any one area. What we did, we did specialize, specialized in recruitment. We specialized in finding really good people for our clients based on the roles that they were looking for. Um, we, we decided to focus on, you know, providing a fantastic employee experience. Um, and, and that was, became our specialty it was more kind of a generalist versus any one specialty. And I think that's actually served us really well, um, versus, um, 
you know, focusing yeah. on one specific I think that's task. a sound approach, actually. I, I think the, yeah. the nature of this business is that it's it's generalist. I think there's opportunity for a few niches, few verticals, mm-hmm. you know, like accounting and maybe legal services and dev shops, but generally it's uh, generally it's more powerful to be generalist. And then you specialize in operational excellence, really, don't you? It's, it's exactly, kind of pulling it exactly. And making it work. Yeah, it you know making making a you know making sure that our product is providing a lot of success for our clients. You know that's that's what we've decided to focus on. You know what's what are what's going to really help our clients and their businesses grow, and uh, and so we we focus on that. We focus on what our clients need and what what their requirements are and, and how we can support them, and um, and then and then I think the business kind of grew from that concept because people realized, Hey, this is, this is really great. This is really helping us in so many different ways. And, uh, and then obviously they, uh, some of our clients introduced us to other clients and, and that, that helped, um, helped us in those early days of, of Booth and Partners. And people should go back and listen to Carmen's interview. I think that was episode 334. So it gives also good context to to the Booth and Partners journey. And so, you know, you're not the only one to see value in in outsourcing, you know, and I think, you know, you have done incredible in your eight years and, you know, as you said, started off relatively green to the thing. But I think one of the saving graces is it's just such a valuable um, proposition to businesses, to clients, isn't it? That you really can't go too wrong with outsourcing. You're selling an incredibly powerful product, powerful service that almost every business in the West could utilize to great to great value. What what was what was it about outsourcing that you saw as as kind of the the big ticket opportunity? Um, you know, it it for, for us our you know, because of the size of, of our business today, we still consider ourselves as a, as a boutique uh, outsourcing operator. Um, and, and so what that does is it allows us to focus on a, a segment of the market, which we would consider the SME. We do have some large customers, but um, I would say that the majority of our clients are SMEs. They're fast growing businesses that, um, that need help with, with scale. And so um because we're a little bit smaller than some of the bigger players, we have the ability to tailor our, our outsourcing solutions specifically to each client. You know, there, there are some limitations. We, we don't, you know, uh, you know, let anything come through the door, but we do really look to try and find, uh, you know, sort of a hybrid model. We have uh, three core products. One, one would be our, our staff leasing service, which is a cost plus model where our clients retain the, the operational control of, of uh, the, 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 the operations. Um, then we have um, a managed service where um, the outsourcer, uh, the provider would be basically handling everything. We're, we're tackling um, you know, the recruitment, the operations, the QA, the training, uh, and it's, it's really a white glove, uh, all encompassing service. Um, and then the, on the other end of the spectrum is uh, our employer of record where, where clients are looking for, um, a, an employment service, a payroll service for, um, 
usually it's it tends to be more senior hires that they uh, are looking for people and have people in the Philippines and they need assistance with employment and payroll processing and HR services. Um, and so between those three products, we sometimes find that uh, one of our clients might not fit into one of those categories exactly. So we'll create something that's a bit of a blend of maybe two or three of them. And, and, you know, and I think that has um, been incredibly helpful for us to, to build our, our client base um, and, and our clients see a lot of value in that. Cause I don't think that some of the larger providers in the industry are able to do the, the, the true, tailored outsourcing they have a one size fits all type model um and and the same goes with you know not just the the operational side of things same goes in with recruitment um you know we we specialize in a lot of areas we're not just again focused on one specific role there's a lot of variety in the roles that we're recruiting and sourcing for um as well as the talent specializations that um that we've confined within the philippines that's where our business is operated Getting the right people is really critical, isn't it? You know, there's so many factors that can really make or break offshore staffing and outsourcing, outsourcing but getting the right person is almost, you know, the, the critical factor because if, if you don't get the right person on the bus and the suppliers, whether you're in the US, Canada or in the Philippines, um, yeah. really it's going to be very hard to get anything working well. So how, do you, how are you able to ensure that, clients get the staff that they need so um our, our tagline is right people right solutions so <laughs> that is that is a, a real significant focus for us um and so how, how we do that is is we we spend a a little bit more time with the clients in the beginning to to really understand the role uh, or roles that they're looking for and, and what type of individuals, what type of skill sets, um, what type of experience they're looking for. Um, and in most cases, the, the talent is in the Philippines. We can, we can find um, great talent uh, throughout the Philippines that, that have the skills that our clients are looking for. In some cases, it, it might not be there and we'll be honest with our clients and let them know that, hey, this is not something that we can source uh, from when, within the talent pool in the Philippines, but in most cases we can. Um, so it starts there with with that. We have a recruitment calibration with with our clients, and, and we dive fairly deep into uh, what our clients are looking for, and and then our talent acquisition team then uh, starts to market and source for for that talent, um, and and we're doing a lot of. Um, digging and and interviewing and assessing to validate that the skills experience the behavioral traits are going to match up with our clients you know experience and role as well as their company culture as well and and also ideally industry background as well and uh and and at the final stage, um, our, our clients are presented the best candidates um, for them to to interview, to review, um, and 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 ultimately they decide who they want to have on their team. And I think that kind of empowers the client to get a feel for who's going to be on their team, who's going to be working with them, um, just like if it was an extension of their uh, their own company in the Philippines, but working with a partner like Booth and Partners who has a lot of resources to help with recruitment and HR and payroll and employee engagement and, and facilities and all of the other services that we provide our clients. So um, 
so yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot that goes into that recruitment piece. That's a really critical part to uh, the process. It's, um, it's something that we, we really try and focus on um, because if we get the right people, um, those individuals will one uh, stay in their role a lot longer than uh, if we're just grabbing somebody off the street. Um, they'll provide a lot of, um, you know, positive uh, results for our clients, which obviously our clients are, are excited about that. And that's great for their business. And then they see growth also in their business. And so that tends to lead to additional roles, additional um, hires that we can make for our clients. So for us, it really, you know, it's kind of the, it, it's, it's the most important thing uh, in, in what we do is finding the right people. Because uh, if we don't, then there's really not going to be a long-term partnership or, or long-term future success from, from the relationship that we have with our clients. When people ask, you know, how do, how do you outsource? I, in many ways, it's identical to just employment. You're sitting in Seattle now, and in many ways, there's, there's no difference. It's, you know, you find the right person and then you, you tell them what to do, you know, and you support them and train them. Uh, but in in other ways, it is very different. You know, there's kind of a lot of nuances, there's subtleties, there's cultural differences, there's communication friction because it's all remote and online. Uh, people yeah. want processes. Where do you see the major differences in, you know, employing someone in Seattle for a standard SME kind of engagement versus employing someone in the Philippines? Um, the, you know, I... The, the clients that we're dealing with, again, I mentioned earlier that a lot of them are SMEs and, you know, some of them don't necessarily have incredibly robust talent acquisition departments or HR departments or accounting departments. It, you know, they're, they're, you know, each company is unique. Um, and, and our business is, is a people business. So that's what we focus on. So we have to be able to find them. So there's the, the talent acquisition department. There's our, our need to support and, and provide good compensation and benefits and programs and engagement uh, to the employees. And that's, that's our HR department. And then obviously handling payroll and, and, and uh, you know, tax payments and, and, uh, you know, and so that's where our accounting and payroll team comes into play. And then not to mention IT and it goes on and on. Um, and so the, you know, having a provider uh, like Booth and Partners in the Philippines that has all of those resources, it it's, it, again, that's where it kind of goes away. It's not just, you know, hiring some person. It's, it's the support that comes with it that, that you're getting with, uh, with, with the outsourcing model. And, and I think that's where, you know, a lot of times it starts with, oh, this is going to be a cost savings. And, and yes, it, it will be a cost savings, but it's not so much about that. It's about the additional support that you're going to get um, and, and that it can be very seamless to transition to this type of model. And, and once you embrace it, um, it can really do great things for, for our clients' businesses. Um, they can really focus on their growth and, and, and their innovation and their products and services um, uh, where we're, we're tackling a lot of the, the things that are a little more difficult uh, when you're employing people. Um, and, uh, and, and I think that, that that's a big differentiating factor between just hiring someone in Seattle versus, you know, hiring someone in the Philippines and with uh, a provider like Booth and Partners behind it. 
And in Seattle, using Seattle Linux as the example again, you know, a lot of people think that they'll hire all of the major core key staff in Seattle, and then they can maybe possibly tap into the Philippines for a VA or a little bit of customer service. But what is the real opportunity? Right? Can you know? I know you can get specialties, specialisms, mm-hmm. uh, you know, highly skilled people. But where do you see the opportunities, um, particularly in, in professions? Yeah, I think um, you know. I think there is there's a lot of roles that can be sourced and provided um, from the talent pool in the Philippines. There's great you know people in the Philippines, very well educated. Um, that that. You know, so there's a lot of roles that can translate. Um, obviously, it starts with you know the basic functions in customer service and, and uh, data entry roles and uh, accounting. But you know, we've found that also a lot of you know marketing positions. We've also found that even you know senior sales positions can can factor uh, you know into this. I I do feel that um, it tends to be roles that are more back office. Uh, focused, um, whether it be you know engineers um, or operations, um, but but I, I I think that the the limit there's there's not a lot of limitations into what we can into what we can do in the Philippines in terms of the talent pool. Um, I I I believe that the our clients want to retain their you know their senior staff their their staff that are maybe. Um, you know, involved in innovation in their products and services, um, in in terms of strategic roles, I believe that those should be uh, within you know a, a Seattle office as an example. Uh, but a, a, a real large percentage of the back office um, work can be done from the Philippines, um, from from many different departments. And do you? How do you think they should integrate with the core team then, the home team? Um, are they almost treated like colleagues or do you have sort of a delineation between roles and activities? How, how do you generally suggest that they are integrated? We, we really uh, would love for our clients, and, and most of them do, uh, treat their employees in the Philippines um, as an extension to their, their office in Seattle. Um, you know, so, um, you know, have them part of the team huddles, you know, engage with them as much as you possibly can. You know, I think that that breeds uh, a lot of positivity and motivation within uh, the, the, the teams. And, and pre-COVID, um, a lot of our clients would come and visit their teams and spend a little time with them and, and engage with them in that way. And that, that went, you know, in, in, it went a long way with, with the, the campaigns that were doing that. And uh, and we we saw that in 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 the attrition and retention rates where the teams that you know where the clients were engaged with their staff the retention rates were far higher than uh, the campaigns where there was you know very little engagement from the client so absolutely our recommendation to to try and engage with the staff and incorporate them as part of you know as an extension to their own company and their own organizational structure um, it's not always that's not always possible. Um, and in, in the event that that's not always possible, we're there to support those staff and, and engage with them and, and, and do a lot of, um, you know, acti- activities and um, events related to 
motivating, incorporating the team as part of a team, making them feel like they're part of a family. That's that's a big thing in, in our company is we want people to feel like they're part of a, uh, a family aspect. Um, and, and it's hard as we're growing because there's more and more people, but but we're continually trying to maintain that family uh, experience. Everyone's part of a, they're, they're our tribe and, and we want them to feel like they're not just doing a job, but they're actually part of a community and, and they get a lot out of that community. Um, it's, it's a lot harder these days with COVID when we're all remote and working virtually, but, um, we're, we're hopeful that in the near future that we can get back to more physical, uh, in-person activities and events. We're not setting any particular timelines to that, but um, we're certainly crossing our fingers that that we can get to at least, and we're not saying that we necessarily want all of our employees to go back to the office, but we're talking about just having activities and events. We used to do a lot of, you know, outdoor team building events and sports fests and, and you know, different things that really engaged the, with the employees Um you know, on an outside of work type of experience to make them feel like they're part of a community. And it's been, it's been difficult when we're in a pandemic, but um, we're again, hopeful that that is going to be something that's going to come back um, maybe in the next 12 months, maybe a little bit longer than that. We don't know, but we're, uh, we're, we're hopeful that in the future things will, there will be some semi return to normal. Yeah, I think it's starting to. I think now Manila has finally turned the corner. It really is starting to open up. And I, I just hope yeah. that there's no kind of crazy uh, variants <laughs> that, that come out again. And yeah, we're, we're, yeah, we're just, you know, we're not, we've, we've noticed that, and, and, but we're not making any significant moves or decisions around, you know, in-person events or having people return to office. We have loose plans, but we're waiting to to observe and, and see things, you know, see how things go to, from now towards the end of the year and into the first part of, of next year. And, and, um, and, and then, you know, hopefully we can start making some, some firmer decisions. Do you, do you find, I find it amazing, you know, as an outsourcing firm, you are sort of looking over the shoulder of so many staff into so many different businesses. And it's quite incredible to see the different working styles of different founders, bosses, businesses. You know, some are very people-centric. Some are very sort of introverted, don't really communicate at all. Some are very, you know, conversational and, and talking, whereas others are over email and chat. Uh, you know, do you try and standardize kind of the the integration with your staff using sort of standard tools, using standard processes, or are you really evolving and assisting your staff to evolve with the with the habits and routines of each individual client? So we certainly have our own set you know, processes and, and integrations with our staff in terms of how we connect and, and communicate with them. Um, but you're right, we're, we are working with a lot of different clients who are, you know, engaged with the employees that, that we're providing them um, in very different ways. And so we like to follow, you know, our standard process and be fairly structured in that, that regard, um, just because that then becomes a constant. And, you know, on the other side of the coin, the 
the clients are engaging with those staffs and some in really unique ways. And, and sometimes we, we learn a lot from our clients um, uh, because we, we can observe and see how they interact with their employees. And, and in some cases there's, there's some great learnings for us. Um, and uh, you know, but I, I think in, at the end of the day, we're, we're wanting to, you know, have our set process. We have to, when, when you're employing a lot of people, um, you can't be too loosey goosey around, um, your processes. We need to be fairly structured and, and systematic about it. Um, but we're also trying to maintain a, you know, a, a fun environment, a fun active might not be too process driven, but, um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, I think if anything, we're taking the the good things from from what we learn from our clients, and, and we're also learning from maybe some of the bad things that you know, and bad things meaning maybe there's not enough communication, or there's um, you know other other things that that maybe are not the best way to to manage employees, and and but we learn from those and and try and balance that out with with how we support the employees, and it's it's a true co-managed service. It's. We're, we're managing the employees, but our clients are also involved in, in working with these staff as well. And what are some exciting kind of examples of outsourcing? You know, I, I, it, it's amazing what people find and what people build with offshore staffing, you know, because it's maybe slightly cheaper than having staff onshore. So it just opens up this whole world of opportunities for, for businesses to grow and explore. Yeah, do you, do you I, have I anything... Yeah, I mean, I think that um, for me, the most exciting and interesting aspect of our industry is the staff leasing model. I, not to say that you know, fifty percent of our business is is a has a fully managed um, service level, but uh, I think I find more interesting aspects of the staff leasing model because it's um, again leads more to that co-managed service. So there's a lot more interaction with the client, uh, with the staff. There's a lot more, um, I think there's a wider scope of roles and activities. Um, you know, it's, it's a true, um, it's a true offshore team because there's just a variety of roles versus the process being outsourced, which would be your, your managed service where someone has outsourced their chat support or their data entry tasks or their uh, collections tasks or, or whatever the task might be. Whereas the staff leasing model, it tends to be, you know, might be a little bit of customer service. It might be a little bit of accounting, might be some, you know, some marketing, some graphic design, some, you know, a lot of, and so the team, the the clients that are in the staff leasing model tend to uh, outsource a more, more higher variety of roles and then have uh, a better structure within that team um, because the, the, the managers that are managing those employees are managing not just one area, they're managing a few different areas. Um, and and I, I think that's probably the most interesting aspect um, of, of our industry is, is that staff leasing just because there's a lot more variety in it versus your traditional managed service model, which again, the managed service model is fantastic. It's great but it's 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 the right program if you're you know it's a process that has a high transaction volume or um, it has a, a higher uh, volume of of staff requirements is would be my my suggestion we we t- our managed service campaigns tend to be the larger headcount um, versus staff leasing tend to be it doesn't mean that it's not small but it's it's a it's more suited to the SME market that I feel that we're 
mostly playing in with with a lot of our clients, um, whether it be the e-commerce or uh, the digital, um, you know, the digital marketing agencies that are constantly looking for different unique roles to, to source from the Philippines, whether it be creative or, or, or some other uh, marketing role that, that they might be looking for. Yeah. And when people start their offshore journeys, you need to get them quick wins. Like, do you, do you have any insights for new clients coming on board or maybe clients are exploring outsourcing, but they're, they're hesitant. Do you have any sort of, uh, quick wins or approaches or, or kind of tips for people? Yeah, I, I certainly would recommend, um, we call them vanilla rolls. <laughs> they're, they're the easier rolls. Start, start with the easiest low hanging fruit that you possibly can. Um, you know, I think that, you know, it's, it's, especially if it's their first time, um, venturing into remote staffing or outsourcing um it's always best to start with the easiest role first and then and then venture further out uh once you find success so when i talk about vanilla roles that would be your technical support your customer service your data entry um some accounting functions um would, would fall into that category um you know th- those are the types of roles that that are tend to be what we call vanilla because there's a really large talent pool for, for great employees in those categories. Um, and, and, and they're just, they're, they're a little bit easier for the clients to, um, to let go of and, and let it transition to a, uh, uh, you know, an employee that's, you know, across an ocean. And, um, and, and, so once our clients do that, they, they see the success uh, uh, from that role. And, and that's after that, f- they then start to venture out into, you know, engineers, uh, you know, uh, developers, designers, and some of the more obscure roles that, that we also have the ability to source. But like I said, it doesn't always start with just that. That's, that's just generally our recommendation. Um, we want it to be a really positive experience versus, you know, starting with something that's very hard to recruit and and there's a limited number of talent in the Philippines with those skill sets um you know so that doesn't always necessarily bring the the best experience if it if it's a hard role to to source and recruit how do you a lot of smaller businesses the SMEs you know they generally have not enough people and too many things to do so you end up having multiple roles multiple functions skill sets uh, for each individual on the team. And then when they recruit, they almost need more of a co-founder, like an entrepreneurial person that can find solutions to things as opposed to an employee, which is following more of a process. Do you, when you come across that, do you sort of try and coach the client to really focus on specific tasks? And as you say, you know, focus on a few low-hanging fruit first? How do you kind of uh, Yeah. A- absolutely. I mean, I think um, it, it, you it, it's it's tough when you're when you're getting you're in startup phase and and you're wearing many different hats. Um, and you know, and I think we were in that situation at one point. Uh, well, I would say Carmen was in that situation at one point. I was just the the observer along for the ride in the beginning. But um, you know, I think that it. The, the best way forward. And we did the same thing. We just started kind of looking at the, you know, 
what are the, the easy things for us to segment from what we're doing on a day-to-day basis or what our managers are doing on a day-to-day basis and start carving that out and, and creating a role around that. Um, and, and in some cases, you can't just create one role. You might need to create a role that's someone's wearing a couple of hats. And, and that's um, where we tend to suggest a, a virtual assistant that has skills that kind of could vary. They could have some, you know, we could find an individual who's got an ability to do some customer service, but also could help with some social media management or could help with some marketing activities or, or other back office admin activities. You know, so you can kind of find people that, that fit the bill of, of, of wearing multiple hats and, and help these smaller businesses when they're getting off the ground. But ideally, you do want to departmentalize it uh, and, and, and have someone dedicated to a specific task. And, and, um, and in, in that case, you'll get, I think, better results because you have someone that's focusing on one specific area of their business and, uh, and, and looking at that alone versus spreading themselves a little thin and by looking at all sorts of different areas of the business. And you're in Seattle now, and all I hear about, you know, I, I, I don't really have anything to do with the US, but I hear so much news about the great resignation, about everyone going remote, about uh, minimum salaries hitting $18 an hour, about there being a you know, severe labor shortage. Are you seeing that on the ground? And do you see that then there's any kind of uh, connection to people thinking, well, you know, exploring outsourcing as a result. Yeah, it's it's all over the media um, here in the U.S. Um, and 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 Canada. It extends, you know, beyond just the U.S. Um, it, it's it's quite it's crazy. Like there there are, you know. And, and you see it as well when you when you're going about town. You you go to you go to a restaurant, for example. You can just sense that they're there's they're understaffed. They don't have enough people. The service levels have all fallen. And and just talking, that's about you know the restaurant industry. But this extends through many many industries. Um, bus services to schools, the ferry services in Seattle are all understaffed. Like it it is a real thing. And um, to be honest, this has been tremendous for our business because uh, people are struggling to hire. They're struggling to recruit. Um, there, there's a shortage of, of labor and we're able to fill that gap uh, with, with talent in the Philippines. Um, you know, so they're, they're taking their onshore employees and perhaps moving them into more senior positions. And then they're taking some of the, what we call vanilla roles and, and moving those to the Philippines. And we're, we're, we're actually bringing on a lot of new clients that are that are telling us, "Hey, we're we're unable to source uh, talent in, in in for this role, or it's taking us a long time, or people are resigning." So um, it's it's a it's absolutely a real thing, and and it's been uh, a tremendous leg up for the outsourcing industry, not just in the Philippines but all over the world. Um, wherever there's there's great talent, um, that's where companies are going to look for. And 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 to source and and because we've just you know we're in the middle of a pandemic maybe we're coming out the other end now but you know it, we're all very comfortable with remote work and uh, virtual work and and 
outsourcing is basically that it's remote work. It's, it's, you know, your team's based in another country. They might be working the same time zone uh, as you, but, uh, or the same hours, but, um, but effectively they're remote. They're, you're connected through our laptops, through our zoom, our teams. Um, And, and so, you know, a lot of companies that maybe weren't as inclined to to outsource in the past um, have found that one, it's hard to recruit, and we're seeing people resigning, and we're now very comfortable with this remote work model. People remote work, remote work model, and and going, hey, I could actually hire someone from the Philippines, and that that actually would work really well because all of my team are currently working from home across the United States. It's not too different than that. So yeah, it's been, um, it's, 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 it's been very interesting uh, observing that from, from our standpoint. Um, but it is, you know, it's been, uh, a very wild ride, uh, for us because the growth has been pretty significant, um, uh, which is obviously very exciting as well. I'm really excited for the, it's not just outsourcing, but it's really the, the future of globalized employment, the concept that, you know, if you're going to, if people are going to work from a computer, then you can access 8 billion people around the globe. And that's all different, you know, price points, quality points, skill levels, education, background, diversity. It's just a huge opportunity, isn't it? As opposed to just, you know, having the traditional pool of people in Seattle, for example, it kind of um, a thousand X's the, the, the pool, the labor force that you can tap yeah. into. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's, that's kind of, you know, for us, we were traditionally uh, a Manila based um, service provider. All of our facilities are, are in Manila. And uh, when we were forced to re- work remotely, a lot of our employees returned to their provincial homes um, and, and continue to provide great work, very, very high quality of productivity. Uh, and they've continued to do that until now. And it's, it's, you know, we're getting close to, you know, the, the 20 month mark or so, you know, from the start of, of, uh, of the pandemic in, in the Philippines. And so what that has done is that's, that's opened our eyes to, we don't need to just recruit from Manila anymore. We can recruit from anywhere. And we've fully embraced the remote work model. We're, we're also, you know, have a service level where we can provide a hybrid work model and we can still provide the in-office service model as well for clients that feel that that's necessary or the, the, the job uh, requires someone to be working from within an office. But um, the remote work concept has definitely opened our, our ability to recruit from, from all parts of the country, um, which is, which has really been very exciting for us. And so we've been recruiting, um, for a lot of positions from within the Visayas region, um, which was not something we were doing pre-COVID. And and then that's also started us to consider, well, what other markets are there? Are there markets beyond the Philippines that we should look at? And our our decision as a company thus far is we want to maintain our focus on the Philippine market because we truly believe that it is the number one talent market um, for our industry uh, is is the Philippines for now, and and we're looking for the next best market, and we're we're searching and we're conducting research in different markets. But right now, we're we're deciding that you know our focus for at least the next twelve months needs to be still within the Philippines because the talent pool is is 
still fantastic and uh, very diverse and, and a very wide talent pool as well. You, I'm hoping for a bit of a tipping point, like Malcolm Gladwell refers to, you know, and I think when about 30% of businesses in the West offshore, outsource, then there's going to be this tipping point where it becomes default, you know, it becomes standard, not for all of your staff, of course, but for every mm-hmm. business to have proportion of their staff offshore and most business owners you know i'm in a business community we were talking about that before this call you're in a business community in in seattle you get to know a lot of other business owners and you know there's conversations about where do you find your staff and how do you staff your business and things like that where do you see the level of conversation in you know i keep on using seattle but in the u.s and seattle Canada, the level of awareness in terms of offshore staffing and outsourcing, has it changed a lot in the last eight years and the kind of acceptance of it? Yeah. And and again, especially since the start of COVID, like it's become almost a household name. Um, and, and when we talk to other business owners about our services, they they immediately go, oh, yes, that is exactly what we've been looking for. Um and so, whereas, you know, when we were starting our business and, and even up until right before COVID, it, it, there was a lot of companies that were not so sure about it and, and weren't convinced about outsourcing and, and having remote teams in, in other countries. Um, they wanted, you know, their, their teams in their office, in their headquarters, uh, so that they could see their employees every day. And that I believe is is totally changing, um, and has totally changed already. And and I really don't believe we're going to go back to what it was like before. Um, I think that um, companies that are have a strong future are are realizing that their uh, their staffing and their recruitment they need to look well beyond their their home country or their home city, and and they have to embrace. Um, the, a globalized workforce. And so um, for us, we're focusing on the Philippines as, as the talent pool. But um, I, I expect for our business looking forward that we're not just going to be uh, providing uh, talent from the Philippines. We're going to be providing talent from other parts of the world as well. Um, and, and, and I think that that's, you know, I, I think you know, we should, we should be looking for where's the best talent uh, out there. And it may be for an engineer, it might be in Eastern Europe um, for, um, you know, certain language requirements might be in another part of the world. So I think that that's kind of our, that's in our industry, it's our job to go and research and, and find the best talent areas in the world. But to be honest, I'm still, I'm, I haven't been convinced that we've looked at a few different markets and I'm still believe that the Philippines is, is the best from the research that we've done thus far. Yeah. It's hard, isn't it? Like I, I, you know, really believe that there's obviously skilled people right across the world, but I think if you're an SME and you're building a small team of five, 10, or even 50 people, you know, you can find, a fantastic engineer or rocket scientist or developer in the Philippines. And then so there's sort of value in having everyone within the same ecosystem. If you are a bigger business and you're looking for 50 or 100 specialist devs to all sit together, then maybe there's a better market for that. You know, maybe you go to India or or Eastern Europe um, because there's sort of more of those um, engineers over there. 
But I think for one or two, you know, the Philippines is is a fantastic generalist option. And, you know, what I'm noticing as well is I think the Philippines is becoming a brand of its own. It's a little bit like Swiss banking in that, you know, you listen to a lot of podcasts and everyone mentions, yeah, I'm, I've got Philippine staff or I've got a Philippine VA or, you know, I work with a Filipino team. And you never hear that about I've got Kenyan staff or Jamaican staff or, you know what I mean? It's almost taken yeah. for granted now. And yeah. I think if that's positioned well, then that is an incredible boon. Like it's an incredible sort of branding position that everyone turns to Philippine staff to power their business. Absolutely. I, you know, it's, uh, it's a great country. Um, we, we have a, a strong connection to the country. It, um, we've lived, I've lived in the country uh, 14 or so years, maybe more than that, 16 years in total in my life. So I've had a lot of time that I've spent in the Philippines understanding the culture and, and, and have a lot of great friends that are either living in the Philippines or who are of, you know, Filipino origin. And it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a really wonderful country that, uh, that I'm, I'm really happy that we, you know, it was the one, it was a country that we knew very well. So that's where we started our business, but it's actually worked out, you know, well for us, um, because it's, uh, it's, it's really been exploding, um, from, from a, a BPO sector standpoint. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Great. Jamie, thank you so much. Good Good conversation, good insights. If anyone wants to, you know, I encourage everyone to explore outsourcing. You need to pick up the phone and you need to have a conversation with people because you can just get so much insight from a conversation. Um, if they want to, how can they get in touch with you or Booth and Partners? Yeah, so our, our website is um, is boothandpartners.com. Um and uh, we've got uh, contact forms and, and also ways to uh, set up uh, sales consultations, which I think is a great way to, to connect with us. Um, that would, be, that would be, be my recommendation. We'd uh, love to hear from uh, any other uh, business out there, owners out there or, or business operators that are, are looking to outsource. And, and we'd be happy to welcome any calls or communication from them. Jamie, thank you so much. That was Jamie Booth of Booth and Partners. As always, if you're on any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And if you want to ask us anything, then just drop us an email to ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.